Okay, happy Halloween. Welcome to G5 Football Daily, the audio accompaniment to our Group of Five football coverage on Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Network. Joe Londrigan here with you as always. Excited to get into our reactions to the first college football playoff rankings of the season and uh, some interesting developments in that 20 to 25 spot. We'll get into that in a bit by we. I mean, somebody that you've heard on the show multiple times at this point. He covers the Texas Longhorns primarily for Horns 247, but he also has a wide breadth of knowledge on the group of five. He's Eric Henry of 247 Sports. Eric, as always, excited to get into some college football stuff with you, my good friend. Thank you, as always, Joe, for allowing me to join you on this fine podcast and for those of us who might not be familiar with my group of five credentials, uh, about seven years worth of covering, let's see, uh, a little bit of Southern Illinois, a little bit of, a little bit of Northern Illinois, um, Conference USA, Florida International, uh, Sunbelt, uh, the list goes on. The American, I'm a UCF grad, so their time in the group of five. So while, you know, if, if you, you punch in the old Google machine, you might see nothing but uh, Texas Longhorn propaganda. Uh, I do have a deep appreciation for the old G5s and uh, was a longtime co-collaborator with my good buddy Joe Londrigan. As you talk about the uh, Northern Illinois Huskies, they're actually playing as we record this. It is snowing pretty heavily there in Matt country. I imagine you don't miss that very much now being in uh, Southeast Texas. Uh, well, see, here's the thing, Joe. I, I do not miss the snow at all. However, it's been surprisingly chilly here, man. It's been uh, Joe, we had a high today of 41, and it's been just overcast and cold and chilly the past few uh, days here. So, I mean, at least for a brief spell, I am getting a bit of that Midwestern weather. But, yeah, I don't miss waking up to trying to, you know, figure out how to walk in snow because I was a Floridian and uh, regular shoes won't function when, you know, there's snow and ice on the ground. <laughs> the Sperrys don't uh, block out the water too well. I will not send this podcast on a rabbit hole, but the <laughs> second time, not the first time, the second time I attempted to walk on snow in non-boots, uh, I slipped and busted my ass in front of a girl. <laughs> oh, man. I, I think I've heard that story before. It's a good yeah. one. We'll, we'll have to talk about some of your adventures in Chicago and some of my adventures in Chicago at some point. But for now, let's talk about a team that played in snow this past weekend, probably going to play in snow again before the season's done. That's the Air Force Falcons. Uh, they're coming in at number 25 in the first set of college football rankings here. Of course, Falcons 8-0. And right above them at number 24, the two-lane green wave at 7-1. and Eric, my initial thought was a little, you know, I, I figured this was going to spark some conversation amongst people that follow the group of five closely in terms of those two teams being where they are because of course in the ap poll and the coaches poll air force are above Tulane and above you know the other group of five teams mainly because they're undefeated and they've won you know most of those games um i don't want to say handily because the score line doesn't necessarily tell that story but they're just not one of those teams so i don't know before i dive into that further i'm curious your initial reaction to seeing Air Force at 25 and Tulane at 24 in the first college football playoff ranking. It was interesting, Joe, because in my mind, this is what I'm boiling it down to, right? And again, we're splitting hairs to an extent, but I kind of look at Tulane as playing in the better football league. 
And I'd even make the argument that Tulane has played the stronger schedule. I mean, that's a byproduct of me saying that they've been in the better league. Of course, they took the loss to Mississippi, but outside of that, you know, their their record uh, is is very solid here. It's seven and one, four and zero in conference. I take a look at you know, let's just do the top four in the American: Tulane, SMU, UTSA, Memphis. Tulane has played Memphis. I don't believe they've played um, SMU or UTSA, but then you flip it over to Mountain West, Air Force at eight and zero, and of course uh, you have Fresno at seven and one, and that Fresno matchup um, is one that they don't have, right? You know, they don't have the the um, they don't have a, a, a victory over Fresno, nor do they play Fresno uh, in the regular season, right? Now, of course, there's an opportunity they, they could play them in the Mountain West title game, but yeah, I mean, I I, I thought it was a very interesting. Um, I shouldn't say interesting, but in basically my case, it's splitting hairs. And I think the reason why Tulane gets to nod at, at, at 24 in my mind is because the fact that they make the armor them a stronger league. I mean, my initial reaction was like, whoa, the undefeated team is the lower ranking. That's bizarre. But the more I kind of process it, and I just got off the, the call with uh, Boo Corrigan and Bill Hancock as well. And they kind of gave a similar answer to what you just said. And I don't totally disagree, even though I, I have an immense respect for the kind of football that Air Force plays. That defense has just been so good this year. But really, you look at their resume right now, and their signature win has been against Wyoming. And Wyoming's a good team, but then you look at the rest of their record, and I believe every other team they've played, including uh, FCS Robert Morris, to open the year has a losing record. So I don't fault the committee for taking that into consideration. But, you know, to your point, I think it's always off-putting when we don't reward undefeated teams. And it wouldn't, honestly, it really wouldn't, I would say right now, I am at about like, I'm like at like 65 to 70%, like, yeah, I get it. And then 30% bothered. And the majority of that feeling comes from the fact that like, you have like Oklahoma State ahead of them in the rankings, and they lost to South Alabama, which no disrespect to South Alabama, but they are by a country mile, not the best G5 team this year, right? So that's that's where I'm coming from. Like, I, I get what they're saying with Tulane's strength of schedule versus Air Force's strength of schedule, and then you also factor in uh, Tulane's picked up, uh, I believe, just the one win, right, with Kai Horton at quarterback while Michael Pratt was out. Obviously, he was out for the Ole Miss game as well, and Kai Horton really took him to the wire there. Yeah. Um. So I, I get it, but if we're going by that criteria, I don't quite get how they put together the rest of that 20 to 25 to, uh, to you know, the full extent of my um, understanding, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess it can be somewhat jarring if you see the undefeated team a spot lower, but... I'm just trying in my mind, Joe, to apply the criteria that I believe would have been used to, to, you know, pick 
Washington over Florida, Florida State over Washington, right? For example, um, in the same way I would do 24 and 25, right? Or, I mean, how about this? I mean, we can even look, I, 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 I will be scarce with the Texas talk on this podcast for the purposes mm-hmm. of my uh, day job, but mm-hmm. I think the same thing can be applied. You look at seven and nine, right? Texas and Oklahoma. Well, one of those teams beat the other team, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think in order to try to, kind of decipher some of those rankings you got to look at a little bit more uh, uh, and not to say that you aren't uh, just for anyone who may be surprised at it you kind of dig got it you have to dig beneath the surface a little bit to try and um decipher some of those rankings i i agree um so we'll have an article coming up on what uh boo corrigan specifically had to say about why those two teams were ranked ahead of each other um in the top 25 soon enough hopefully tonight uh tuesday night but we'll see. We're hope she should get this podcast out Tuesday night as well. But yeah, I think that's that's fairly interesting. And you know, I, I'll skip the James Madison talk because, as we all know, rules are rules. They weren't going to be included in uh, in the college football top twenty five as well um, because of FCS to FBS transition rules, as we've talked about at nauseum at this point. But you know, Eric. Any other teams that you think maybe should have been in consideration for one of those last few top 25 spots at this point? No, no one really stands out that I would say, you know what, they, they, I mean, you could, you could throw out a a team here or there, but there's no one in my mind that I think, at least from the group of five realm that I, I, I would feel strongly about making a case to say like, all right, they should have been there as opposed to Air Force or Tulane. Like you said, you know, we could get into the James Madison of it, but it, it is what it is. That's not going to change. Um, I I know some people, the, the team that comes to mind, I don't, I, I don't know if it's the same for you. The team that comes to mind for some people is Liberty, but you, you take a look at Liberty's schedule. And listen, I, I spent several years covering conference usa but i don't think there's any any doubt right now that you can look at cusa and say of the group of five leagues it it probably is the um quote unquote weakest so Mm -hmm. there's no shock in my mind that that liberty is not a is not among the uh the group no same for me and i think based on our conversations with folks inside the uh liberty program currently i think even they would say you know not that they're not proud of the achievement to date of, you know, being the front runner for a CUSA title through eight games and being undefeated and all that. But I think they would also argue compared to people like Air Force and Tulane, their schedule is nowhere near as strong, right? Like we've heard that from people within the Liberty program. So yeah, I mean, that's fair enough to say. I think Liberty's playing good football right now, but until they get to a bowl game potentially and maybe play you know, somebody that's until they punch above their weight, so to speak, I think Liberty's chances of cracking those, that top 25 is, you know, slim to none at this point. That's all we got for the uh, college football playoff talk at the moment. Obviously things can change on a week to week basis. Uh, So we'll see what happens with air force coming up with that neutral site game against army in Denver. I'm so sad. I'm going to miss that one. I had originally planned on going to it, but I'm just not going to be able to make it happen. But yeah, that uh, Army Air Force game, ultimately, if Air Force wins that, they're going to get the Commander-in-Chief trophy, which is a big deal for them. Uh, Tulane coming up this week. Tulane coming up this week. 
in theory, they have an easy game at East Carolina. And then Tulsa, another easy game. Those last two weeks of the season, however, FAU and UTSA, that's, I think, where we're going to see if Tulane has the stamina to finish this thing off and potentially even get to another New Year's Six bid. So we'll see. Um, interesting stuff going on in the group of five right now. Some other interesting stuff going on in Eric Henry's personal life as well. So <laughs> let's jump into that. Uh, one of the things that's been going around social media the last couple of weeks is the idea that people don't necessarily want to go to first dates to certain establishments, <laughs> namely the Cheesecake Factory. And Eric, until very recently, you had never been to the Cheesecake Factory. Is that right? That is 1,000% correct. Uh, today is Tuesday, October 31st, Halloween. It is indeed. I had not been Cheesecake Factory until two days ago. Um, it, 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 first off, Joe, I had no idea. Um, you know, shout out to Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman, one of the uh, nicest guys, uh, nicest people, regardless of sports media or otherwise uh, you will ever come across. Danny was roasting me as I walked inside the Texas media room on Monday, saying that what type of sports writer was I that I had never been to Cheesecake Factory? And Danny made a point, Joe, and I just want your thoughts on this, that okay. sports writers should have a, a Rolodex of places that they can get, um, you know, good heapings of food for like 15 bucks. <laughs> so, uh, um, or for cheap, I think it was Danny, Danny's word. So um, I, I won't disagree there, but Cheesecake Factory just wasn't, <clears throat> excuse me, on, on the list of places I'd been. So I went, yeah. uh, checked it out. Uh, I was told by several of the other uh, media there that I ordered incorrectly. That if you go to Cheesecake Factory, you seem to order big heapings of like American fare, like pasta, pizza, you know, stuff like that. I, and the cheesecake, of course. Uh, I um, was uh, told, and shout out to um, uh, Christina Hang, also part of the media community. She recommended the fried cheese, uh, the, the mac and cheese balls, the fried mac and cheese balls, and they weren't yeah. available. So I was like, okay, because I, I would have been in on that. They weren't available. So I got the pot stickers. I got like a Korean barbecue uh, rice dish. Um, and then I got a pepperoni flatbread and a strawberry cheesecake. So I was told that the first two dishes were ordered incorrectly. Should have been some sort of, uh, you know, like fettuccine Alfredo, like a pasta type deal or whatnot. So um, I guess I, I'll have to go back and see the error of my ways. But no, you know, all in all. Um, I, first off to what you led with, I can't see why it is a place that you couldn't take a first date to. Like, it's not like you, you pulling up there with a coupon, you know, I mean, it's, it's in the pantheon of, um, put to you this way. I will not name the establishments because I don't know who SI Athlon Media Group may have a, <laughs> a business with, but sure. there are certain establishments that it's very clear that, you know, they just throw the stuff in the microwave and send it out. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that cheesecake factories is one of those places. Um, uh, side note, Joe, we used to roast a friend of mine who was a chef at one of these establishments and, and he had a chef's coat, right. Made with his name on it. Um, yeah. and it can work at one of these establishments, not the cheesecake factory, one of the aforementioned establishments. And we would roast him and we would say, do you yell and say, you know, damn it, I said put that in the microwave for 35 seconds on high, not 30. Like, I mean, 
because that's what those establishments are. But I digress. Um, I would feel I would take a, a first date to Cheesecake Factory, you know. So yeah, it, it, it um, it's a fine fine establishment, Joe. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know. Uh, first of all, have you ever seen a movie called Waiting, Eric? I, I have not, but that sounds super familiar. But I've not heard of it. I've not not yeah. Not it's seen, a not seen, sorry. It's an it's an oldie but a goodie with uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Luis Guzman from and Andy Milnakis from like twenty five years ago. That is, as someone who's worked in kitchens before, it's a fairly accurate representation of people who work in in kitchens <laughs> in chain restaurants. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have nothing against the Cheesecake Factory. My main beef with it is I think it's a little overpriced. You know what I mean? I think okay. now as someone who, I mean, let's be honest, I still don't make very much money. But when I want to like go out to a nice dinner, I you know, will spend a, a decent amount of money to get the thing I want, right? Right, right. Whereas with like Cheesecake Factory... I feel like I'm still spending more money than I want to, and I'm not quite getting what I want, if that makes sense. I'm getting a lot of it, but I'm not quite getting, like, the quality, other than the cheesecake. That Like, that's the big thing I've always, like, been super high on with Cheesecake Factory. Like, I'll go in with a date or whatever and get, like, cocktails and cheesecake. Like, I don't really mess with the food menu too much because there's so many things on it. My brain immediately yes. goes to, there's no way they're doing most <laughs> of this stuff good if there's right. if there's such a wide variety here. You know what I mean? And, and Joe, I'm right there with you as the product. Um, I guess to, to fill the listeners in, it's kind of a running gag on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, at Eric C. Henry underscore, if you want uh, some entertainment, I, I think it's a decent follow outside of the, uh, you know, football coverage and get some, some entertainment. Um, it's a running gag on Twitter because I am the product of two Jamaican parents who uh, immigrated to Florida, right? So uh, there was no shortage of Jamaican food nearby me. And my mom operated a, a small Jamaican Caribbean, uh, Jamaican um, restaurant and store, grocery store for, for years, right? So there was no shortage of like Jamaican food nearby me. So the fact, I think I, I made it to my first McDonald's at like 14, um, like high school age, you know, was like shock people. And ever since then, it's been this running gag of things I have not eaten. Um, and that's where the Cheesecake Factory thing's in. But I mentioned all that, Joe, just to kind of emphasize your point, which is I'm used to, you go to a Caribbean spot for Caribbean food. You go to a Chinese spot for Chinese food. You go to, you know, insert, you know, place and you get the food. Yeah. So when, when I see these places that do, you know, steak and Korean barbecue and cheesecake and pizza and so on and so forth. I like you am also rather overwhelmed. And then I get into the skeptical part of like, yeah, I mean, they ain't got, you know, six chefs back there. We can cook, cook all these things. So um, let's just kind of keep it basic. It's like that SNL skit where they go to the diner and order lobster. Like you're not supposed to order that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just there to show off. That's basically what it is. Exactly. And my favorite reaction to you not having been there until very recently was on on Twitter. I don't remember this person's username. I'm assuming it was a, a friend of yours who said, you've never been to Cheesecake Factory? Did you not go to prom? Is, <laughs> is that why you're so jacked now? Is this your villain origin story? And... <laughs> 
I was in tears laughing at that. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Dolly underscore drama on Twitter, who is a great Central Florida follow. Um, yes, that that was Dolly's uh, reaction, and uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a funny line. I, I got the gamut of reactions, but I think Dolly's was the uh, was the best there. Sure. Shout out to any anyone who's been on wait staff at one of those places who got tipped seven dollars on a party of six who ordered two hundred dollars worth of food from a group of kids going to prom <laughs> you need the good vibes i'm assuming with that i think we've Killed enough time to start talking about games that uh, we're interested in watching this weekend, Eric. I'll start. Uh, Joe, hang on one um, second. Oh, well, oh, you're right. right. You're right. Yeah, but, but before we Go do ahead. that, I did, just want to just want to ask. You know, I, I um, I'm putting you on the spot here, but um, which of the games uh, you can do the midweek games or the weekend? Um, uh, just one, because you know, obviously, we, we we may circle back on some of these things later in the week, but. Um, was there any any midweek game? Uh, I guess we'll just leave it there. That kind of stood out to you. I I, I do think Joe. Um, again, yeah. this is your podcast, but I, I I just offer a suggestion as as a as a regular guest. I we've talked a lot about Biff Pogey at Charlotte, um, so I don't want to go too in depth. But I would like your thoughts on what you saw from that contest if you happen to see it live and um i guess just some of the uh extracurricular things that that you may have seen from the 49ers and kind of what's come of that yeah all right we can we can go back and talk about some of the uh the games from last week here um the charlotte thing first of all credit to tom herman and fau and in particular, uh, LeJounte Wester, right? Like, he had a fantastic game. Absolutely. Ten catches, 149 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Daniel Richardson, who's, who's come into a, you know, position he didn't anticipate being in at the start of the year. FAU, I, I know, of course, they probably want to be at a better point than 4-4 four and four at this point in the year. But to rebound the way they have after a really bad start to the year, good on that. But on the Charlotte side, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. I'm probably going to have more to say on this if I can get my worst things from the weekend column done. I've kind of run into some time snags and getting that usual content done. But I don't know what else there is to say. Really, we saw Charlotte have some pretty inexcusable penalties, an inexcusable number of penalties. And in the wake of that, we saw Bipoji talk about suspending players for this weekend's matchup. And I, I will give him a little bit of credit. At least he's doing something, right? I don't understand why he doesn't address his team after losses. He's saying he wants to let their emotions sit with him. I don't understand that at all. I don't understand why he's continuing to do this whole multi quarterback system we've talked about it so much i don't know what else there is to say other than i truly do not understand what the leadership of this program from mike hill all the way down to to bit and his staff are doing they're they're not playing well 
and they're making ridiculous decisions as every other outlet that covers the Charlotte football program has talked about up to this point. That That's kind of my take on that game. Um, yeah. Any, anywhere you want to chime in there? Joe, I will be super quick because I, I, I just want to get, you know, direct to the point. Like I said, we've talked about Bill Posey a lot on this podcast. Joe, now at two and six, it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to kind of um, be embarrassing while you're doing it. And I don't think there's any doubt that some of the conduct we saw during the game was embarrassing. Um, you know, the the getting flagged at halftime because you refused to go back to your locker room. And it, I've covered games at Jerry Richardson Stadium. It, this is not – yes, both teams head back to the same side, though, the same side of the of the stadium, but it's not like they both are going to the same tunnel. Charlotte it has to go one side. It's a straight route into the um, uh, Judy Rose uh, um, complex. I think it's Judy Rose Fieldhouse. And then the visiting team heads all the way up a corner. No need for Charlotte players to be barking at FAU players in that corner um, to get that, to have that. Um, some of the things, like I said, the conduct on the sidelines and now Biff Pogey supposedly suspending the players, refusing to name who he suspended, but supposedly suspending the players. So, yo, to me, it's it's point blank. At two and six, with these last four games, in my mind, if you're Mike Hill, you got to make an assessment of the direction this program is going in. Uh, they, I, I'm not even saying they have to win one of these contests, but they just cannot have another performance like that on the field or some of the extracurricular stuff. Because, listen, it was one thing with Will Healy. Yes, things have started to turn in the win column, but they they weren't having the embarrassments in terms of, you know, the, what we saw on national television last week. So that was all I was going to get out on on that contest. You mentioned the uh, players being suspended, but he didn't name them. It's not like it's hard to figure out. Uh, right. the, depth chart, the depth chart got released today. Uh, Yabi Okianoma, who, of course, had the, uh, the main – you know, multiple personal yeah. fouls during that game. He's not listed on Charlotte's depth chart for that week. Neither is Stone Handy or Al Ali on that uh, on that depth chart at, per Hunter Bailey of the Charlotte Observer. So, like it, again, it's it's just bizarre the way this has gone down, and it's bizarre the way it continues to be handled. I've never coached a D one program before, but I've seen a lot of people <laughs> coach D one programs effectively, and they didn't do it like this. That's all we'll say. Um, other midweek games, Georgia Southern uh, really was dominant against Georgia State. Not entirely surprised there. Uh, regardless of, of Georgia State's season today, I don't think they were necessarily very well equipped to handle the type of offense that Georgia Southern runs. Uh, Jacksonville State beat FIU. No surprise there. UTEP beating Sam Houston. Not surprised, but a little surprised Sam Houston hung in for as long as they did. Liberty yeah, beating so Western I, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to stop really quick. Quick stop with that Sam Houston thing. Yeah. So I, I, I just – do you have any thoughts on the Bearcats um, just at all? Because I really think they were a team, if you look at their roster, probably about what you'd expect from a team, an FCS team making the jump. But I'm just going to run down some scores. BYU, yeah. they lose 14-0. Air Force, they lose 13-3. Jacksonville State, 35-28. Liberty, 21-16. FIU 33-27, UTEP 37-34. If this is a team that I think in my mind, if they can just get uh, get a, um, a solid recruiting class, mm-hmm. some guys out of the portal, I think that's a one-year flip and Casey Keeler can have them in a bowl game. I don't know about one year, but I don't expect this to be a long-term thing for Sam Houston. I mean, Casey Keeler's not a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and of course, they're located in 
arguably the most talent rich state in the country. So they'll figure something out. And to your point, they've been in, they've been in some close games. They just can't figure it out. So this is just, this has got to be the scourging year for Sam Houston. I don't, I don't really have much else to say other than that. Also don't kick out people who were in funny Halloween costumes. Let's, let's have a little more maturity oh, than that. What happened there? Administration. <laughs> uh, okay. So at one point in this game, in the first half, Sam Houston were up 21 to nothing. They ejected a certain student because their Halloween costume was uh, male genitalia, let's say. Uh, uh, and then things went south for the team very quickly thereafter. Okay. <laughs> uh, see, our good friend CFB Campus Tour tweeted a video of said ejection, <laughs> actually. God bless college kids. I know. <laughs> Uh, just, yeah, let college kids be college kids. Um, anyway, the other thing I wanted to touch on, I was at Miami, Ohio this uh, this past week. Not uh, not Miami, Ohio. The game between Ohio and Miami of Ohio in Athens. The Battle of the Bricks. Miami wins their first one since 2019. And it was really fascinating to see Avion Smith step into – arguably the biggest game of his college career to date in for the injured Brett Gabbert, who did not make the trip and play really well, play really competently. Um, He only threw 11 passes, but he completed seven of them ran fairly well. That offensive line did what they were supposed to do. The running backs did what they were supposed to do. And the defense played a really strong game, despite having some injuries themselves. And Ohio had 11 penalties. And Tim Alpin was not happy about that. Um, but I talked to Chuck Martin for a little bit. And he was ecstatic with his team's play. And they are in the driver's seat in the MAC East. So that was a fun little trip to Athens on my part. Joe, how did Phil be back? How, well, try again. How did it feel to be back in uh, MAC territory? Someone, you know, you're a guy who has spent significant time in, in those necks of the woods. And, and like I said, I started out uh, covering Northern yeah. Illinois. What, what, just how did Phil be back in a good old Mac territory. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. The, for one, I was there in Athens on Halloween weekend, which is one of the biggest uh, party weekends in certain Mac towns for sure. I didn't stay long. I, I didn't partake. I wasn't going to be the weird guy in his thirties at the bar by himself (laughs) during Halloween weekend in a college town. But I, I got there early and I kind of walked around and saw what the setups were and it, it looked like kids were going to have a lot of fun. And yeah, you know, I haven't been to a Mac stadium in a, in a hot second. And for Ohio's senior day in particular, and despite the, the weather, which was really kind of crappy, it was raining for most of the day, um, that stadium was pretty much full until uh, late in the third quarter when, you know, it became clear that Ohio had dug too big a hole for themselves. Like there was, there was a decent crowd on hand there for most of that game. So it was fun. It was fun being in Mac territory again. Um, And also it was slightly interesting because other than myself and maybe one other reporter there, none of the members of the media were over 30. (laughs) <laughs> right like i was i was definitely one of the oldest people there and i was like 
I don't know how to how to handle this. I like in my head, it, like in my first response, I'm like, I bet they really respect me. I'm like, they don't, they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't. Like, they have no idea. Uh, but yeah, it, that that part was interesting. Just being there and realizing, like, wow, I'm I'm one of the old people now. At least in terms of max standards, that's mostly covered by student media. I was going to say you hit the nail on the head because I, I feel that. So, it, you know, covering Texas, um, I'm one of the younger ones, but there's like a clear, you got, let's see, Christina, one, two, three, you got three students who cover the team. Then you got an intern for the Austin American Statesman, um, Leah Van, um, shout out to Leah, who has done a great job covering um, sports for a long time now, but um, she's younger than me. Leah's 28. Um, and some of the TV guys. So you got like, six or seven people who are younger than me but i i'd say three of them i can claim to be in their age range and then you got everyone else who's in their 50s right so i it's i i can feel your pain because i know what it's like when you walk in and you're the oldest one and i know what it's like when you walk in and, and there's like that clear divide where it's like you know the gen z's and then you know the gen xers i guess so i feel you uh I joe think, real quick yeah oh, go, ahead, yeah, go ahead i'm sorry I was just going to say, I think that's the difference between the big time P5 markets yeah. and the like the Athens, Ohio's of the world, right? Like you have the baby boomer meets millennials most of the, most of the <laughs> right. time in the, right. the big P5 markets. And then here, the millennials are the, are the old heads. <laughs> correct. <laughs> so. correct. Joe, I just was going to say, in honor of this being Halloween, yeah. um, what is the... Um, most uh i don't know eye-catching halloween costume you've seen in it, it can be in your life it doesn't have to be recent but like just most eye-catching um do you want me to, to lead off and give you some time to think <sighs> no i think i think the most eye-catching i've ever seen goes to goes to my lovely wife oh. um who i'm gonna i'm gonna send you a screenshot i think i have it here somewhere um one Halloween, we dressed up as she dressed up as Pennywise the clown, and I dressed up as uh, Georgie from It, from the you know the movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, here check your check your phone. Here's the uh, here's the picture of that costume. That uh, that one stood out to me. I think that's the that's one of the better ones I've seen. Okay, well while that's coming through, Joe, what I've learned, and maybe this is a byproduct, I think this is one of the things that makes this podcast that you know you uh, allow me to appear on um, great is the fact that like we, we have differing kind of like contrasting uh, life experiences, uh -huh. right? So you know me having grown up um, in in Florida and now living, uh, you know, having lived in Chicago, lived in Miami for years, and now living in Austin. Um, Joe, I've learned there's, there's like one of two ways people do Halloween in, in these towns that I've been in. They either get really creative or they're just really lacking clothing, to put it politely. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the most eye-catching thing I think I, I, I saw was uh, actually this year. Um, Joe was over the weekend. Uh, I live in, here in Austin on fifth street, which is one block over from the famed dirty sixth or sixth street, um, here in Austin. And, uh, <laughs> Joe, there was, uh, and it, it just hit me on so many levels, a, because of the lack of clothing and B because it, 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 it's also like a, you know, as a millennial, I don't consider this to be throwback. Like 
people dressing up as Nelly and whatnot, you know, and calling it, you know, nostalgia. It kind of hits me in a way. Yeah. But um, there was uh, a gentleman who was, you know, clearly being Nelly because they had the Band-Aid on the cheek and everything. And um, there was a young lady who was with him who, uh, Joe, you don't remember the uh, Nelly tip drill video by any chance, do you? Uh, maybe. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I remember. Send... I definitely remember certain Nelly videos, but you know. Sure. Well, I'm I'm gonna assume this is one of them. Okay. Uh, she, the, the they they she was dressed as one of the the young ladies from the tip drill video, and they were reenacting a very famous scene in which Nelly um, uses a credit card um, to to you know use a credit card, Joe. And I'll just you know we'll end it here, as I think you just got that gif of how Nelly is uh, using said credit card. And that was That's, happening on on Sixth Street, Joe. Say, this image may contain explicit content. You don't say. <laughs> Come on, Giffy. Safe search blurring is. Who turned on my safe search? <laughs> are, are, are we doing live radio here? Oh yeah, I see it. That's. I mean, that's exactly what I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, 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 was, it was like it was like wow. That's a. And, and the fact that, that I've reached the age where I'm like. Oh, that's 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 a bit much. That's not how magnetic strips work. <laughs> Correct. This is not how I work when I uh, pump my gas and you know and, and put my credit card in. Oh, so many inappropriate jokes I won't make. <laughs> Let, let's let's keep this podcast another week. Yeah, let's yeah, let's do that. Did I send that to you or no? Nope. No, I I sent that screenshot to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Jesus. Okay. There's okay, so yeah, there's that there, Halloween. There's, costume. There, there's also a joke in there, you, and then you can, you know, she'll probably say you were sending it to your other wife. Uh, <laughs> now I finally yep. have it. Yes, this is this is a phenomenal, um, very phenomenal costume. Well played by you, Joe, with the deadpan look. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh man, good times on Halloween weekends. Um, all right, let's let's talk about some games that we're looking forward to. First one for me, Eric Troy, South Alabama winners, basically in the driver's seats in the Sunbelt West. I don't anticipate uh, Troy having too much issue with South Alabama just because they've been playing so well to date. And the thing that strikes me about this Troy team in my conversation with uh, John Summerall yesterday during Sunbelt media availability, he was pretty adamant that this team is not playing to their full potential. In fact, it, it's to a point where he's a little bit frustrated by it, which is interesting because they're the best defense in, in the Sunbelt right now. They've overtaken James Madison statistically in that regard. Um, so, I mean, if they, if he can elevate them even further, this Troy team is going to repeat. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, Joe. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I I do think there's a fair argument for that. You know, despite the fact that you know they they obviously lost some players from last year, uh, most notably Carlton Marshall, they still got Gunnar Watson. They still got plenty of talent. So no, I I, I mm-hmm. like good on John Summerall because he's trying to set the standard that Troy's going to be a program. You know, that's that's not looking to fall back into you know the three and nines and four and eights. So good on him. Yeah, for sure. On the on the Mountain West side, Fresno State, Boise State is another one that I'm looking forward to. I, I think if Fresno State wins this, they've just about got uh, that spot in the Mountain West Championship game locked up, and then it's gonna, probably going to be them and Air Force. Uh, this Boise State team, they've been a bit inconsistent, but you know I, they're one of those teams where just when you start completely counting them out, that's when they play their best football. And it also helps that they've got George Halani back. So they've got a bit of a uh, two headed monster 
in that offensive backfield alongside the other two-headed monster in their offensive backfield, that is Taylor Green and uh, Maddox Madsen. But when you combine George Helani and Ashton Jensen, who I believe leads the Mountain West in all-purpose yards to date, um, they've got a lot of tools. So Fresno State, going to have to play some of their better football, but if they get through this one, I think their path to the Mountain West Championship game is clear. Yeah, no, Joe, you're you're right. And I, listen, we've talked a lot about UNLV. Um, I They still have an outside shot. Now, they're going to need some help, right? Yeah. Fresno can't win this game because, of course, UNLV um, lost to Fresno, um, uh, what, the Saturday, right? The 28th. Yep. So, yep. yeah. Um, you know, that that's certainly going to gonna make the, the, the path um, challenging. But no, like you said, uh, a lot of reason to watch that game on Saturday because you're probably, you know, looking at at least one of the teams who, who has a, a really good chance of being in the Mountain West title game. So definitely an intriguing matchup for sure. My last one, Eric, Marshall App State. I mean, plain and simple, these two fan bases and these two teams uh, do not like each other. This is a rivalry that goes back years and years and years and years uh, to when both teams were FCS uh, programs. Honestly, they probably compete for, you know, at least historically, they've competed for a lot of the same kids. They've competed for a lot of the same neutral fans in, in the Appalachian mountains there. So this is going to be, this is going to be fun. These is, these are two teams with, you know, good lines on both sides of the ball. You know, obviously App State's offensive line has gotten a lot of credit over the years for the way that Sean Clark has kind of brought that group up as a offensive line guy himself. Um, Marshall, much the same way. Charles Huff, uh, a former O-line guy himself. And then we got two great running backs, you know, Rashina Lee going up against Nate Noel. Um, Joey Aguilar is a decent quarterback for, for App State and a little more questions on the Marshall side. We saw Cam Fancher and um, – uh, Cole Pennington last week there. So uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw them both at least at some point in this game, but this is going to be physical for sure. And we've, we've seen images over the last several years when these two teams do play each other, things get heated. So that's, that's going to make for some entertaining football. Joe, I'm going to get right to the point. A lot on the line for both of these teams, both of them at the bottom of the Sun Belt East standings, but again, they're four and four. It's like they've been bad. Just quite frankly, James Madison, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, been better, of course, Coastal as well. Uh, being last in the East, two very prideful programs with two strongly opinionated, prideful fan bases. Uh, being at this point in the year, it'd be four and five for the loser in this and really on the outside looking in as far as bowl contention. Yeah, uh, definitely a lot on the line in this one. There's your uh, watch slate. We'll be back later this week with uh, another episode of the podcast, and we'll be back with uh, more games on the G5 schedule that you should watch. Google G5 Football Daily. You'll find us fairly easily on Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Network. I'm Joe Londrigan. Of course, you can follow me on social media at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore Eric uh, of 247 Sports, who comes by fairly often uh doing some great things over on that network eric c henry underscore and um yeah at g5 football daily we need to do more clips but uh i've got a lot of stuff i've got a lot of stuff saved up uh from some of our uh more popular episodes that i i need to actually edit into videos but when i do they'll go up on those handles and we'll be back very soon to talk more g5 football and uh probably react to college football playoff rankings next week Happy football watching, everybody. Thank you so much. Have a safe and happy health.